Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To 53342. New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazney Lambray. Joined, as always, by my co-host, my brother, my partner, my comrade, Nando Vila, out on the west side of Los Angeles with his leather-bound books and his <laughs> beach pro- beachfront property. What's going on, Nando? Yeah, bro. How's how's the valley treating you? How's it going? How's it looking? The over valley's there? good. It's been cold as shit. I know it's. Yeah. I know it's just as cold over on the west side, if not colder. Yeah. But it's been damn cold these past few days. I, I've been tempted, almost tempted, to throw the heat on. But yeah, the New York cheap West Indian in me just won't allow yeah, it. That's how you got the hoodie on. You know, when I think about the valley, I just think about like you know greasy diners and yes. uh, like adult uh, video stores. You know, yes, like they probably yes. still have. Yes, like and there are a DVDs. nice amount of adult um, shops, gift shops, um, yeah. which if you're not too busy, you can come check out sometime. <laughs> <laughs> On today's show, Spain is introducing a trial balloon of a program for the four-day work week. Um, mm. I know you guys have heard of the siesta, but Spain is taking it up another notch. And they're they're gonna try to introduce this radical thing of just like we could probably get everything done in four days and let people be with their family, you know, do their hobbies, have some sort of work life balance. It's crazy. It's radical. I know in America where people, you know, get lauded and clap for people who don't sleep. Um, also on today's show. <laughs> 
Well, things are going pretty cool with the vaccine rollout. Read somewhere that 20% of Americans have gotten at least the first dosage of the vaccine already, which is incredible when you consider how botched the pandemic was handled just generally. But because we got, we've been getting nothing but good news on the vaccine front, you know, some chicanery was not far behind. And that comes in the form of Big Farmer being the greedy, avaricious, mother-sucking, blood-sucking cocksuckers that they are. And me and Nando are going to get into that for you guys. It just, man, some of this stuff will send a shiver down your spine. But first, as you guys all know, we're recording this on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. By now, most of you have gotten that stimulus check direct mm. deposited to that account, boy. Woo, I know people that got three kids that got damn near five Gs. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, people are, yes, people are very, very happy today. Up and down my timeline about the stimulus. Obviously, we're excited for you guys. Of course... That stimulus, as we told you guys on Woke Bros, had to be passed via a process called reconciliation, which didn't need a filibuster-proof supermajority to pass. So the Dems could pass a freaking stimulus that has 70% approval rating by the American people would not have passed but for this budgetary maneuver. So now that that's through, we've moved on to the next thing, Nando, which is the rest of the Biden administration's agenda, which they're going to need to pass with either a supermajority in the Senate or an abolition of the filibuster. Um, Joe Biden went on ABC News, of course, gave a tepid Democratic, typical Dem establishment response, said, well, I'd be cool with, you know, just coming back to the speaking filibuster. Make these guys actually have to stand there and talk as if they couldn't figure out a way to do that if they were dedicated to doing that. This is on the heels of Monday. Dick Durbin came out on the Senate floor and was basically like, look, man, I'm somebody who believes in the institution, but we got to get rid of this thing. My Precious Dreamers Act had big majorities. We didn't have super majorities, but I had 55, 56 senators on, on, on board. I brought it up six times, five times it was defeated by a filibuster. This is ridiculous. We can't even do government. To which our friend, your friend, Mitch McConnell, minority leader of the Senate, had this to say, quote, some Democrats believe this would be a tidy trade off if they could just break the rules with the razor thin majority. That's not what would happen. So let me say this very clearly to all 99 of my colleagues. Nobody serving in this chamber can even begin to imagine what a completely scorched earth Senate would look like. That's a nicely, you know, a nice little veiled threat. And then basically McConnell essentially says that this is what would happen. This is the threat that he makes that would happen if the Dems abolished the filibuster and stopped letting the tyranny tyranny of minority rule, you know, govern our entire lives. This is what this is what Mitch McConnell proposes what would happen to us, guys. Quote, as soon as Republicans wound up back in the saddle, we wouldn't just erase every liberal change that hurt the country. We'd strengthen America with all kinds of conservative policies with zero input from the other side. How about this? National right to work for working Americans, defunding Planned Parenthood and sanctuary cities on day one, a whole new era of domestic energy production, sweeping new protections for conscience and the right to life of the unborn, concealed carry reciprocity in all 50 states and the District of Columbia, massive hardening of security on the southern border, Nando. Mm Mitch McConnell threatened us with a good time. He threatened to do democracy yeah. in the conservative tent if ever they got back in power. Nando, what say you? Um, I think it's an empty threat. I think it's an empty threat. I mean, they we've seen um, what they've done while they're in power. They, they couldn't do... They they couldn't, for example, muster fifty votes to uh, repeal Obamacare, which they tried to do. If you remember, remember Obamacare. Um, 
Yeah, it's in instructive. 20, yeah, in 2017, it was around there, like early Trump years. Um, they tried to repeal Obamacare, and they didn't remember the McCain thumb down thing. Mm-hmm. They couldn't. They couldn't do it um, because the fact of the matter is that at the end of the day, it's very, very difficult to muster up the votes to pass things that are truly really unpopular. And <laughs> if the Democrats did abolish the filibuster and they were smart, which is a big if, they would pass all kinds of things that would make the United States more democratic. And if they did do that, it would really help their chances electorally, just simply from the matter of fact that there are more Democrats in America than Republicans, like a lot more. I mean, I think if you look like right now, we have a 50-50 Senate. We have 50 Republican senators and 50 Democratic senators. The 50 Democratic senators represent 40 million more Americans. You know, like it's just it's crazy. Like it's just (laughs) there, there just are more Democrats in the country. It's just that the Republicans are able to rule by minority rule because of the way the rules are written. Um, and, you know, for example, like if the Democrats abolish the filibuster and then pass, the, pass this new version of the Voting Rights Act, which is very expansive, like much more expansive than the 1965 Voting Rights Act, would essentially, you know, make voting in this country infinitely more e- easier, which would expand the electorate, which tends to help Democrats. Um, if they pass the PRO Act, which would um, you know, greatly expand the power of organized labor, which again helps Democrats at the ballot box. If they passed statehood for the District of Columbia, D- Washington D.C., which does, is not is not represented, those people are not represented in Congress and Senate. Um, that would vastly expand their chances of controlling the Senate because it would be two automatic Democratic senators. Um, so things like that would just make the country more democratic and it would make it much harder for Mitch McConnell to pass these like incredibly unpopular things. All of those things that he just mentioned are incredibly unpopular. Like if the country were dem- more democratic, the, the the citizens would be able to punish Republicans more for their uh, unpopular policies. Um, Republicans can thrive in in a restriction of democracy, which is why they're so focused on restricting voting rights all over the country. I mean, hundreds of voter restriction bills are being considered right now all over all over this country in all the states um, where Republicans control um, the state legislature and things like that. So more democracy is a good thing because contrary to popular belief, the American people are to the left of the political system. They just are. Poll after poll, like the American people want um, the government the minimum to provide wage hike. They, they want the minimum wage hike. They freaking love the stimulus. It's like the, the they joint love it. that Biden just passed is has a 70% approval rating across yeah. all Americans. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Black, white, brown, Democrat, <laughs> Republican, matter. everything. Yeah, Everybody it loves it. Everybody loves it. So, so more democracy would be a good thing in and of itself just because people on the whole are more progressive than the political system. The, the only reason why the political system is able to get away with passing all these conservative things and not listening to the people is because it is fundamentally anti-democratic. And the filibuster in particular is just one of those things. Like I did a whole segment on it uh, for Jacobin where mm-hmm. I went deep into the whole history of the filibuster. And it's one of those things that if it's the American people knew how it came to be, they wouldn't believe you because it's so stupid. It really is just a mistake. It's a mistake in the way the Senate was designed. You know, there's a thing in which if and when you have a parliamentary body like the Senate or parliament or any other kind of legislative body in any democracy, you need a rule to decide when you stop arguing about a certain bill and just freaking vote already. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they forgot to include that in when they designed the Senate. <laughs> so in theory, you could be arguing about a particular forever. bill forever. And you that's know, what the filibuster is. It's is. an extension of this theoretical argument yeah. Which you can bypass the theoretical again argument um, by fil- by um, having a supermajority, which means sixty votes. Yeah. And uh, again, the reason why this is important because all you'll ever hear for the defense of this crap is not anything other than the norms and the sanctity of the Senate. And yeah. it's like, bro, after four years of Donald Trump completely pissing all over. Every single presidential norm, governmental norm, 
that, that shit doesn't you matter. know, you can even think of. And it just proved like this shit don't matter. And most importantly, man, I think what you guys need to take, what I took away from Harry, not Harry Reid, excuse me, Mitch, sorry, Mr. Reid, uh, Mitch McConnell um, from his, his, his little, you know, his empty threats is that what, what that shows me is he knows that if the Dems pass stuff that people like, they can't go back and undo it. And the most recent example of this, of course, is Obamacare. What, like, what, like, what could you guys take out? You, you couldn't take out the pre-existing conditions. You couldn't take out the, um, the joint where parents could keep their kids on the, on the, um, on the insurance for 20, until they were like 26 years old. You couldn't take out all the stuff that people liked. And then when you couldn't take that out, what are you left with? Like, what are you taking out? So Harry Reid, like, he knows this. He knows if they put stuff in that people, like, they can't undo it. Like, these people who represent the corporate class, the ruling class, whatever you want to call them, they have been bitching and moaning about, quote unquote, entitlements for decades. For decades, yet they can't do shit with Social Security. They can't do shit with Medicare. Because people love those programs. So no matter Democrat, Republican, like voters, they universally love those programs. So McConnell knows that if the Dems go in and they get stuff done for people, it's going to be next to impossible to undo it. Yeah, I mean, Social Security has been around since the freaking 30s. (laughs) Since the 30s. And trust me, they've tried. tried. They've tried many, many, many times. Bill Clinton tried to privatize Social Security, and it was saved by a woman named Monica Lewinsky. (laughs) The Monica Lewinsky scandal derailed the Clinton agenda in his second term that included a privatization of Social Security because Clinton was basically a Republican in Democrat clothing. George W. Bush tried majorly to cut uh, to privatize social security in 2006 it was a dream of the republican party forever to privatize Got social security for turn it. them into like these 401k like bullshit. you know bullshit fucking yeah um and got destroyed like got destroyed like people like it's it's the one thing people wake up to like no 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 you're not doing it you're not doing it and matter of fact even donald trump when he was running for stuff in 2015 and 16, he's like, I don't know why Republicans even touch Social Security and, and Medicare. It's a loser. People love those programs. And so, again, that's why you see this veiled threats. But we also have to take it back to the Democrats because, again, you mentioned that voting rights thing. So they're like, let's not abolish the filibuster. Let's do the Dem thing and let's let's make a democracy provision where we, you know, we do it for voting rights. Let's do it for this. And then we're going to do it. And it's like, it's all, just stop it. Yeah. Just stop it. And and yeah, why, the mean, only reason that they would be against it, it's hard for me. Like, either you want to pass this stuff or you don't. You're either willing to do the stuff that'll get this stuff passed or you're not. Sorry, Nando, I cut you off. No, no, no. It's, it's you know, I, I see a certain logic to it in that you need to give you know, a certain, you need to give a certain Senator from West Virginia an ability to save face, you know, because he said in unequivocal terms that he will not abolish the filibuster. So you can just say like, okay, we're not going to abolish something called a filibuster. We're just going to basically abolish it and keep like, keep it in name, but not, not give it any teeth. Um, there's a, there's, there's an argument to be made to do that. Politics is often sure. just about saving sure. face. Um, and you know, it's 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 one of those things. Like even if even if they reformed it to um, be like the pre Mitch McConnell era, or the pre nineteen seventies, really. But McConnell's really the one that that kind of took it to a new level, which is where you could do a filibuster without actually doing the filibuster, the traditional filibuster, like in uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, or you know when when senators go up there and read Green Eggs and Ham right. or whatever the fuck. Um, like obviously, some at some point, like they're gonna run out of steam, and you can just vote on the thing. Um, but like, what they have now is this thing where they can just do it without even. They don't even to do have that. to lift and, a finger um, to basically lift the finger. thumb their noses at democracy. Like they don't even have to move. They don't yeah. like. They just you know they basically send out an email like, yeah, I'm gonna filibuster. I right, we won't bring it up for a vote. Yeah, 
So, so I, I see. I mean, it is encouraging that there's movement on it. Very you know, like it is encouraging to see Biden, who is a lifelong senator, um, more open to the idea when he was against it forever. Um, it is encouraging to see even Manchin has said a few kind of left the door open a little bit. Um, because they do need to pass, they do need to pass a ton of shit in order to survive the next four years. They need, just need to pass a ton of shit. The COVID bill is a good start, but they need to pass the infrastructure bill. Pass that infrastructure bill, put a bunch of people thing. in those jobs, pay them very yeah. livable wages and watch. <laughs> Donald Trump, Donald Trump won South Texas, like overwhelmingly with a traditional democratic areas in the, on the Mexican border, um, overwhelmingly um, Mexican-Americans there, voted for him in historic numbers in 2020 for a simple reason, the wall. And it's not because they hate immigrants. It's because the wall created <laughs> motherfucking jobs. And he poured so much money into ICE down there that it was like a, it was like a it was like a works uh, WPA like yep. FDR you know like yeah it's an awful uh, you know thing works. we hate it but like if you're some fucking Mexican American guy in South Texas and you get offered a nice unionized public you know public sector job that pays decently and has job security yeah that's yeah. pretty good keep that you know dude so in the office. wall and the yeah, exactly. So the wall and the expansion of ICE was essentially like a huge jobs program for the yep. border. So that's why those border counties voted yep. for Trump. You know, that's 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 pretty simple. So like if the Democrats were smart, they'd do a similar thing on infrastructure. They do a similar thing on expanding voting rights just dramatically. I mean, that would that would help them so much. Passing DC statehood, which is a no-brainer. The Puerto the Puerto Rican one is much more complex. DC statehood is a mm-hmm. no-brainer. Like it just like not even there's no argument against it. You cannot even consider an argument against it. It's just like so <laughs> yeah. obvious. Um, yeah. So um they need to do it and they need to they need to do something. Cause if not, they're gonna just have to they're gonna have to sit on their ass for a year until they can do budget reconciliation a year from now. And as we saw this time around with the fucking bullshit Senate parliamentarian, you know. The, there's limits to what you can pass through reconciliation. You know, you, they couldn't pass the $15 minimum wage, even though they, they said they wanted to. So, um, yeah, it's, it is encouraging that there is some movement on it. Hopefully, hopefully it, it, it changes. I mean, you know, again, like I think you're seeing, we've talked about it before that because of the change in, um, the sort of liberal hegemony from an ideological standpoint, mm-hmm. Biden could end up being like one of the most popular presidents of our lifetime. I mean, this two trillion dollar stimulus is gonna is gonna be a fucking boom for the economy, and it's coming off of COVID. There's so much pent up energy. I mean, you're already starting to see people outside of bars in New York City, fucking, <laughs> you know, like. So you can imagine kind of like a huge recovery given like the size of the stimulus. I mean, it's not just the not just the checks, the direct payment checks, but everything else that goes into it. It's just money pumped into the economy, which is which has stimulative effects. Um, so if they manage to pass a few other things, a few of these other things that entrench those gains, because right now this is just mm-hmm. pure money, they need to change the rules to entrench those gains. And if they do that, then they'll be in a they'll much be in the cat daddy to do that. They need because to again, yeah, you know, and it's important because we got to talk about the other side. It's this idea, you know. Certain corporate corporatist Dems, which I don't know, I don't give them the benefit of the doubt. It always sounds like they're always coming up with excuses to do nothing for people. And certain corporatist Dems are like, yo, it should be our job to, you know, at least bring it to Republicans to get them on board with stuff, to do the compromise, the work of government, basically bipartisanship for the sake of bipartisanship. And then, you know, the reason those arguments are worthless and stupid is the stimulus, Biden comes out, he basically campaigns on it, he basically campaigns for it after being elected, and is like, yo, this is what we're going to do, this is why we need to do it, yada, yada, yada. Republicans, do you want to have it? Nope, not a single person fucking votes for it in either the House or the Senate. It gets passed, and the day it gets passed, there's Republicans taking credit for it. So these motherfuckers won't vote on something that they know is popular, but yet will take credit for it afterwards, talking out of both sides of their mouth. So it's like this idea that, like, these, you didn't get a single Republican vote on something that has 70% approval rating in America. You're done. It's over. Um, And so, yeah, man, hopefully we're moving in the right direction. Again, hopefully... Me and Nando, 
will continue to be wrong about sleepy Joe Biden and um, the tepid responses that establishment Dems are I mean, attracted I, to. We're, we're not exactly, I mean, what we're, you know, it's, it, I mean, we are kind, I mean, we're not, Joe Biden is just responding. He's always been, this is what we, we always knew about Joe Biden is that he's much more of a weather vane than other people, you know, like he's just kind of like, he doesn't believe in anything. He just kind of is a weather vane. And because the country has moved so much farther left um, or, the, or their base, the Democratic base has moved a lot further left in, this, in on a lot of key issues. He's just responding to that. And, you know, like that's just that's really what it is. Um, he's not like a hardened ideologue in a way that Obama, was. <laughs> you know, like Obama had an idea of what, you know, he wanted the to moderation. Do. What's his uh, fucking or, or, uh, consensus building? That's his that's his ideology. Yeah. Consensus building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Biden, because he's been in the Senate for so long, you know, he's seen it all in a way and he doesn't give a shit about any of it. So as long as there's political pressure, he can re he responds to it. I think that that's still true about Biden. I mean, it's, you know, he's still kind of like a craven, awful dude in many ways. And he's still, you know, on foreign policy, you're oh, seeing man. you're seeing the opposite. You're seeing an entrenchment of all the Donald Trump awful policies, whether it's Iran, um, whether it's Latin America. Um, whether it's the hostility towards Russia and China, which continues, and it's all was all like Trump created, and Biden's just like, yeah, we're gonna do all that, like you know, policy towards the Palestinians in the Middle East. All of the awful things that were that were done during the Trump era have been solidified by Biden in the first few months. He did, did He's nothing already kissing the ring of Saudi Arabia. He loves him. We love Saudi. Yeah, they were like. Yeah, he was like, oh, uh, yeah, we know that Mohammed bin Salman uh, ordered the hit on Khashoggi. And you know what? We're very angry about it, but we're not going to do anything about it. Like, okay, so then weak. what is... Weak. Yeah. You're weak on Saudi, Joe Biden. Squeaky doors, clogs, sinks, finicky engines. When things break around the house, you take care of it. However, when something's off in the bedroom, you just try not to think about it. Come on, man. What are you waiting for? That's a problem that needs to be fixed. So take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, it ships you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M right now and you'll get $15 off your first month. It's really time to take care of your ED. Remember, get started today. You'll save $15 on your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash B-O-M. All right, so we move on, of course, to just horrible, 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 horrible stuff. Um, it's So Pfizer had a meeting with its investor. They had an investor call. Which, because the company is public, like, these things are made public. <laughs> like, you can, because theoretically, I can buy stock in Pfizer. Like, they have to, you know, they have to talk to us. Um, and this freaking dude, one of Pfizer's lobbyists, essentially, said that, one, we're going to make a shit ton of money because... Hold on, let me just slow down, just, just so people understand... Yeah. Um, countries in the third world, countries in South America, countries in Africa, countries all over the world have been begging the United States um, and these pharmaceutical companies, the United States government, by the way, they've been lobbying them to get rid of the patent on the vaccine so that these countries can get to manufacturing their own vaccines in their own backyards and then start developing yeah. like other stuff in and around that vaccine. Right. So of course, Pfizer has been like, hell no, we haven't made, we <laughs> haven't squeezed out every single last dollar out of this, um, this, uh, this, this vaccine. Not that they haven't made a profit, 
Not that they haven't made a sizable one. They think they haven't made enough a profit. Not that Pfizer took a loss on this, which, by the way, if you did take a loss on saving the lives of millions upon millions upon millions of people, most people would think that was like a freaking worthy loss. But no, Pfizer, because... You know, the pharmaceutical companies, I mean, if if ever they were art capitalists in today's society, it's the freaking pharmaceutical. Like, they won't turn a buck on anything. And, of course, our government is helping them. And, like, no, we're going to support not um, releasing the, the patent on the freaking vaccine, guys. The Like these yeah. guys, they've already made billions upon billions on it. And on this call, the guy's like, look, we see potential opportunities in booster shots. We see potential opportunities in all kinds of, you know, usages for our vaccine. So, yeah, we're going to make even more money. You guys should be even more excited on Wall Street about what we're about to do. Um, Which, again, before we even get into it, this is why tracking the market to see like how well the country's doing is just a stupid it's just a stupid um, idea. But yeah, Nando, um, this is this is the kind of shit that this show was made to cover. It's like, how do you yeah. justify this? Like, in any, like, conscionable way? Well, it's capitalism, baby. I mean, it's it really, like, it's... That's the logic of capitalism. That's the logic of the market when you have functions that should be for the benefit of humanity outsourced to private, private interests yep. that do it for the benefit of their shareholders. I mean, that's what it is. It is inevitable that Pfizer would want to do this. If there is, like, if the CEO of Pfizer were the direct descendant of Jesus Christ and a perfectly moral person and said, no, you know what? We're going to give this patent away for free because it's the right thing to do. He'd be fired <laughs> the next day and replaced by someone. That's what I'm saying. Like, So it's not... It, it, uh, I think when I talk about when I talk about like the capitalist class and and things like this, it's not about whether they're good or bad people. No. It doesn't matter. Like if they're good people, they'll just get replaced by someone who's Ooh, willing man. to do it, and there will be someone who's willing to do it. You know, to be like, no, I'm going to squeeze as much profit as I yeah, can. I'll so, yeah, I'll be your CEO. I'll have a private jet. Like yeah. fuck it, I'll pff, more yeah. than be more than willing to do it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, to be clear, what the what the countries in the global south are asking for is not for vaccines. Like I can understand if the United States, if you're Joe Biden and um, you have a certain amount of vaccines that you have to administer for your people and someone's like in other countries are like, we want, give us some of those vaccines. I can understand Joe Biden being like, no, because like I can see the potential backlash if there's like a vaccine right, shortage. The in the United Dems States love Africa here. more than they love. Yeah, they're starting to ship vaccines. Yeah. Instead of like, you can already hear it. I yeah. get that. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them. But that's not what the countries in the global south are asking for. They're asking for the ability to manufacture their own vaccines. They just want the technology so that then they can manufacture their own. Cost zero to the United (laughs) States. It will not affect a single vaccine dosage in the United States. Really won't. The only thing it would hurt is the bottom line of these pharmaceutical companies. Because they're looking at the globe, like they have, they, they, they've given away the vaccine in the United States for free. If you go get vaccinated today, it's for free in the United States. But they're looking at the global south and they're seeing, oh, we're going to make some money <laughs> off of this, you know? Um, and it really is just a, a very striking example of both how the U.S. imposes laws abroad, especially intellectual property laws, patent laws, things like that, in order to protect private companies at home. Um, so that they can protect their profits. They they really do this. They I mean, like someone could, in theory, um, like in, in Africa, figure out or like through a whistleblower or just hear like what the vaccine cocktail is and then manufacture it. But the United States has rigged the international rules of the game to make that Ill- illegal. And, you know, so that they, they wouldn't be able to do that even if they tried. And it just goes to show how these functions, the functions that better society, like, medicine, we need medicine, they cannot be left to private actors because they will do it in a way that maximizes profit, not social welfare. So the argument that conservatives and libertarians make is like, oh, if we prevent Pfizer from making a profit this time around, the next time we have a pandemic, 
No one's going to develop the False. vaccine because there won't be a profit motive to do it. And it's like, that's insane. The government can just like pay people to do it. <laughs> like they, the government has so much money. They could just be like, no, 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 we're going to do this. So like scientist guy, uh, I'm going to give you some money and you can fucking yes. develop the vaccine. Yes. You know, like Period. you don't need like the profit motive. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's precisely the, the profit motive uh, for things like vaccines is the reason why we didn't have the vaccine the day coronavirus hit. Because these coronaviruses have been around. We know that exactly. they exist. We knew that this was a threat. There's been public health officials warning about a potential But because there wasn't an epidemic, years. there was no opportunity to make money. So there was no reason right. to do it. It was too it's, risky. It's too risky. Exactly. It's too risky for a private company because you don't know when the pandemic's going to hit. So you can, you can spend billions of dollars developing a vaccine and it may hit now or it may hit in 30 years. You don't know when it's going to hit. But a government that is not tied to the profit motive can see these warning indicators yes. and finance That's it. The finance point the vaccine of development being to be ready the most from powerful before. entity in the history of man, aka yes. the United States federal government. That's the point of this, so that you can do shit like yes, spend a shit ton of money on something potentially happening. So that when and if it does, we don't have this freaking calamity like, you know, and I think people don't understand that so much goes into how we spend a whole fucking year dealing with this. How can it take us a year to get out of this? Well, here's why there's all these contributing factors. And like you just said, um, investment into the pub into public goods. Like a lot of people, when they hear public goods investments, they think of like YMCA's or some shit. Like, no, this yeah. is investment in a public good, bro. Like avoiding co complete catastrophe and calamity in the case of a freaking viral outbreak. Yeah, that's for the good of the public. It may, may not make money for people if we develop stuff that we never have to use. But shit, man. Look, yo, just think about something like that damn fighter plane, the F-2, whatever, that 35. the F-45, F 35, that never 35, yeah. worked. Like that decapitates the pilots when they, when that they decapitates the, the pilots, the amount of money and resources that went into that crap. And people are going to tell you, well, that's to defend well, it's our just, freedom. And no, what the fuck? It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's it's funny because the F-35, I mean, what it is essentially is a transfer of wealth from taxpayers, meaning all of us, to the owners of private military yes. contractors. That's it. It's just funneling money. It's uh, over a trillion dollars at this point from since the, since the early 90s when the F-35 program started. It's just we're going to take money from taxpayers and we're just going to hand it, <laughs> that's it. to the owners of private industries. Um, meanwhile, the United States is forcing other countries to buy the shitty plane. Like there's a big diplomatic, it's like not even worth getting into, but there was like a big diplomatic kind of kerfuffle with Turkey because the United States wanted Turkey to buy a bunch of these fucking planes. And Turkey's like, I want the Russian planes. <laughs> And the United States is like, you cannot buy the Russian planes. You have to buy the planes that decapitate the, the, pilots. Uh, the pilots. The planes that, because of the way the cockpit was designed, the pilots can't turn their head around like that. They can't look, you know, like in Top Gun mm -hmm. when they're like, oh, shit, he's behind me. Like, they can't do that. So what they did was they installed a camera, kind of like in your car now. When you back up, it has like a little camera back there. So, like, they could see behind them through a little camera. The problem is... When because you're in the fucking atmosphere and there's like humidity and shit, the camera would get foggy whenever they would fly through like rain or like little droplets of water would get in there. So they couldn't fucking see behind them. So it's just like the stupidest thing in the world, but it's over a trillion dollars. It's been funneled from us, like our wealth taken from us and handed to the investors of Raytheon and McDonnell Douglas and Boeing and whatever the fuck military. And again, and not um, spending it on the kind of thing we just discussed ad nauseum. Instead, farming out that job to Pfizer so that they can freaking make money on, you know, sick people in Africa and South America. Like, that's... It's unconscionable. There's just no... There's just, there's just no, no way to put it... Um, of course, you know, we always have to mention this. Not a single person from the Democratic Party has spoken out about this. 
at all. Wait, hold on. Except it's barely been in the news. Except Bernie Sanders. <laughs> except for except for young Bernard. Young Bernard did say that we should that the, the the that the the WTO, the World Trade Organization, should ve- should waive the patent rights on the COVID vaccine so that any country in the world can just access the technology and manufacture it on their own to to serve people. And the thing is, like, there is you know we live in a global economy. Like, we need everyone yep. in the world to be exactly. vaccinated. Like, because we know that. We know now, like, for example, it's happening in Brazil when there's like large countries of people that don't have the vaccine and COVID is just raging around. There's variants of the disease, like mutations happen and they can spread and they're worse and the thing, you know, like we need everyone to be vaccinated so we can kill this thing, not just in the United States, all over the world. Because like, I'm sorry, we live in global, global economy, global supply chains. People One world government. All the, world all the time. <laughs> yeah. So we need to do this, but it's just, it's crazy that the, it's, it's the United States is blocking it in order to protect the profits of Pfizer. Ah, yeah. To, from the depressing realities of American capitalism to Spain, man, Spain, Nando, um, you brought this to my attention. Spain is about to do a little a little um, dance, a little bachata, if you will, even though I know that's Dominican. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. A little a flamenco. Little flamenco, <laughs> if you will, with the idea of a four-day work week, man. Talk to the people about this, Nando. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, the left is in power in Spain. So um, the Spain is right now ruled by a coalition government between the center left, which is called which in Spain is called the Socialist Party. But it's really kind of like the Democrats. Ew. Um, and then the far left, which is kind of like if, if Bernie had a party. Wow. You know, it would, um, so they, they're they're in an alliance right now in the parliament and 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 that's who rules Spain right now. Um Another left-wing party, a much smaller one, is which was a splinter of this other kind of Bernie Krat party that I was discussing, um, came up with this idea of doing a pilot program for a four-day work week, um, basically reducing the work week from 40 hours to 32. You work eight hours a day, four days a week. And what they're going to do is essentially the government's going to give companies money to subsidize this. So like to, like the companies that sign up for this, I think they're like, they're talking about like 200 companies. Um, the government's going to fund it 100% year one, like 50% year two and 33% year three to see how it affects, you know, profits and all that stuff. Um, the argument being that everyone just kind of works too, like works too much in these kind of bullshit service economy jobs, which is what we live in now. We don't live in, in a pure manufacturing um, economy like we used to. Right. I mean, when you live in manufacturing, uh, in a manufacturing economy, there was a very clear one to one ratio between like man and hours goods produced productivity, <laughs> yeah. goods produced. Like, yeah, a guy working eight hours a day, five days a week was going to mine X amount of coal. If you work two more days a week, he was going to, you know, mine that much more coal. Right. <laughs> you know, but when you're living in kind of like these economies where it's not directly, you know, related to the stuff that you make it's much more of like these knowledge economies and service mm-hmm. work and all that stuff like it is not like why do you need to work 50 hours a week at facebook like why yeah. <laughs> why you, yeah, you, you exactly. don't <laughs> you absolutely don't you don't no and there's all kinds of you know studies that show like if you know if you if you do work less you actually are more productive in the time you are working you're not as burnt mm-hmm. out blah 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 but really, it goes back to like, I mean, we talk about this a lot, you know, the 40-hour work week and the five-day work week is something that was fought for bitterly by And hold on, before you, before you in, move on, Nando, because I think it's important that yeah. you point this out and I think it's important that we point this out. Like somebody might be listening to this and like, well, that's nice that that's Spain, but that's pie in the sky. We could never do that. We could never get that done here. It, it, it would be impossible and blah, 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 blah. And this, and this is like, bro. That's exactly how people thought about child labor, <laughs> but specifically about this 40 hour work week. And then if you work at me, running me ragged like this, you better give me some OT behind it and the five day work week. Like, yo, bro, I need days off. Like p- the labor yeah. movement had to fight for this. You guys have heard of something called Mayday. 
right? May Day, which is uh, international work, like the National Day of, of Workers, came about from something called the Haymarket Affair in Chicago. This was in the 1880s. Um, the Haymarket Affair was a strike for the eight-hour day, essentially, in Chicago. That was then basically violently put down by the government. The leaders were all the leaders of that strike were all hanged, and it became a Sheesh. national outcry. That's what led to May Day. Damn. The eight-hour day was fought for with blood in this country, and it was something that was very bitter. And it was the it was the 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 slogan was like you know on average a human being sleeps eight hours a day, so it'd be like you know eight hours for sleep, eight hours for work, and eight hours for whatever the fuck I want because there's twenty four hours in a day. Um, and that was fought for bitterly, and it was won through struggle, through labor struggle. Ditto with the, the five-day work week. Both of those things were won through struggle. They've become kind of like just the way, you know, like they've just become so standard. But like this was over 100 years ago. Um, but they've just become like kind of ingrained in our psyche as just kind of natural law. But that there's no reason why we couldn't struggle for more time off. I mean – the amount of like <laughs> the amount of bullshit work that goes into the economy <laughs> it, these days is like astounding. Like we have technology, we don't need to be working so much to to be able to take care of everyone, to be able to feed all of us, to be able to house all of us, to be able to clothe all of us, to be able to do all the stuff we want. We really don't need to be working that much. <laughs> we just really don't. don't. <laughs> but we work more and more. And since the advent of the iPhone and email and things like that. Now it's gotten to the point where we don't even we we don't even stop working when we get yep. home. I mean, you you guys might recognize this. Sometimes you leave the office, but the emails keep coming in. You're pressured to respond late Slacks, at night on the weekends if something nonsense. comes in. Slacks come in, all that thing, you know. So like, really, we're we're working kind of around the clock with very very little time off. It's very difficult for people to disconnect. Um, so yeah, it's very very exciting to see this happening in Spain. It's just obviously still an experiment. Um, you know, it it'll basically matter whether the left can stay in power um, in the next few years, whether they could actually implement something like this on a large scale. Um, but it's it's definitely something worth watching. And it's something that is is worth thinking about. Like, you know, it's not just about wages. Yeah. It's not just about um, the policies we like, but time off, like time to just live your life and not be strapped to your computer or or your job, or or your this boss, fucking or I'm asleep when family. I die bullshit. It's like, bro, yeah. enrich yourself, man. Do something that don't gotta yeah, do with live your, your fucking life. job, bro. You know what I'm saying? Spend time with the people who you love, man. Take up a hobby. Do all kinds of stuff for your own mental health and sort of, you know, self enrichment, man. Like I know for a fact a lot yeah. of people not having to be. I, I know a few people who not having to be in the office. Every single day. Um, and, you know, especially here in L.A., when you don't live by your job, it's like an hour commute there, hour commute back. Um, just being able to be in solitude and working on things in themselves or discovering things about themselves that they didn't even know or wouldn't have been able to do without that time from the fake ass rat race, man. It's been, you know, that that contribution has been immeasurable to people's lives. So it's just something we wanted you guys to think about because. I don't know. Y'all know we ain't trying to be working on <laughs> I don't think anybody no, listens man. to this show and thinks of me and Nando as grinders. <laughs> no. Rise and grind, baby. Get that paper. Get that paper. <laughs> anyway, that's our show for this week. Uh, thank you all for subscribing, man. Um, thank you all for checking us out. All the new listeners, um, so many people... Not gonna front, um, because I've been on the Young Turks a lot recently. Shouts to all my peoples there, Anna, um, Jank, uh, my man Brett, Amber, who's who's um who's working with me on some shit that y'all gonna be y'all gonna love when y'all see it. Um, just all the people over there, uh, Judith, everybody over there. Um, so many people from the Young Turks community, obviously they're like the biggest thing in independent left media, um, have reached out to me and be like, yo, I fuck with what you do. I've been checking out Woke Bros because of TYT. So shouts to all the new listeners who we Hell are yeah. now indoctrinating Nando into our evil sex cult. Um, applications are in the mail, y'all. Who doesn't, who wouldn't want to be in a sex cult with me? <laughs> Nobody. Either. Exactly. This is the best sex cult ever. Um, even better yeah. than Scientology. Um, 
Just shouts to everybody, man. Or the Catholic Church. Shouts to everybody. Or the Catholic Ooh. Church, exactly. Shouts to everybody who has um, been tuning in. We appreciate you guys' patronage of this show. Make sure you subscribe to the Bomb Feed. Listening to the to um, Black Opinions Matter on Monday. Uh, the Wednesday service, of course, growing up the same. Make sure you become a subscriber to the Friday Mailbag. All of that good stuff. Cinephobe, you know what it is, man. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Fernando, um, Waz. Um, also for Rob, keeping us keeping the trains running on time on the ones and threes. Rob Lopez, the producer. We're out of here. Peace. Yo, Rob. Yo, I mean, what's the biggest complaint I always have whenever we record these podcasts? Besides Jerv being too sleepy, um, I think it's you forget <laughs> to name a couple of things. You always want to talk about some extra stuff. Oh, man. It's the worst feeling in the world. When we get done and we say cut and I'm sending the files to Rob and I say, shit, I forgot we were going to talk about this topic or that topic. Well, guess what? We're not going to have those problems anymore. If you go ahead and download the Stereo app. That's right. Go to Stereo.com slash Darth Amin and make sure you are linked and subscribe to us. And we're going to talk about all of the different things that I always forget about. This is a great app. Every time you guys are listening to this pod, you say, oh, I wish I could chime in, but you're listening to our pod. You can never chime in. It's pre-recorded. Guess what? With stereo, you're able to have your voice heard. You can ask real-time questions about either the pod episode we recorded or whatever we're talking about at the time. It's great. It's a forum for you to listen to your favorite podcasters. That'll be me and our, yours truly all at the Count the Things Network. And we're going to be out here. We're going to do this regularly multiple times a week. Just hop on stereo, download the app, subscribe, follow Darth the Mean, follow Talk Hoops, follow Trayvon, follow Big Waz, all of us. You know who we are. You search for us on the stereo app. You will find us and subscribe to us and be a part of these conversations real time. Have the ability to ask the questions that you want to ask. Stop us when we're on some bullshit as we are frequently. And, of course, catch some content that goes above and beyond what you listen to in the podcast you already love. Again, that is the Stereo app. And you can follow me, Stereo.com slash Darth Amin. You can look up everybody else by their handles. Their handles are all the same as what we have on social media. You join us multiple times a week. I love Stereo. I'm on the app talking all the time. Follow me and get notified every time I go live.